0: Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright here in Fitzgerald, chat to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama from Wales and beyond to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown with with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today, my guest is the lovely Bronwyn Lewis, who is a singer, musician. Hi, Bron. How's it going? Hi, Kieran. How are you? Lovely he to see goes. you again. Long time no see. Um, so we both <laughs> we both went to a summer, We were in school together. Um and we used to see each other in in the after room in Mr Mr Rowland's after room I remember. Uh, um, yeah so good that's where we'd
1: hang out, isn't it, lunchtime? Um or whenever we had free time we just hang out in that after room. Good memories
0: there. Mr. <laughs> Rowland's from um Gorkies or Gothic Monkeys, and people know. Exactly. Uh,
1: music tie as well, yeah. Did, did he's, he, he's, yeah, he's very famous, isn't he? He hates to say it, but
0: he is. Did he influence <laughs> you, like, musically at all?
1: Did he, did he influence yeah, me? Yeah,
0: musically. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm always a big fan of the Gorkies, and when he said uh, it, it just, yeah. Because I never looked up what they looked like. <laughs> I just listened no. to their music. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when he said, I obviously, we obviously all searched the old YouTube videos <laughs> of them performing, and we couldn't believe it that you know they were playing these huge festivals mm. and selling loads of records, and um, yeah. And to be fair, he always gives a really good um, uh, advice when it comes to my music. And if mm-hmm. he likes a the song, then it's usually a big <laughs> uh, a big hit. So um, I definitely trust his judgment when it comes to music. <laughs>
0: What I'm going to ask you first is what I ask everyone who comes on this podcast. How did you first get interested in the arts?
1: Well, I come from a musical family. Um, I'm very lucky to, to say that. I've I just been used to having music in my home and uh, just in my social life since I was a little mm. kid. Uh, my, my granddad, my dad and my uncle are all in the same male Voice Choir. So they all sing, and, you know, even when I was a little girl, I used to go watch them singing in concerts. So um, I've always had a piano at home, um, so I started learning piano from age five and then taught myself guitar. So it's always just been just a really easy transition to sort of, yeah, do music as something I love and a passion that as a hobby of mine and then sort of bring it into my career as well.
0: When did you start to see it as something more than a hobby, maybe?
1: Um well yeah, I I actually went to do a speaking of art, obviously, and doing art in a Slavera, yeah. I went to do an art degree in London.
0: Yeah.
1: And while I was in London I decided to sort of give my music a go and try out for the voice on the TV. And yeah. um I think that was when that was the turning point for me because I thought I couldn't make money from music. I just thought that wouldn't be, it'd be a great hobby to do on the side and I always roped and I always you know yeah. jammed with people and recorded when I could but I just never thought I thought how do I reach those heights how do I get a fan base and and obviously through the voice that's where the fan base started mm. and I thought there's something here so that was the change definitely
0: I knew come on to talk about voice now uh, what yeah. wh- how did you decide to apply and um yeah what was the experience like really It was
1: such a good experience and I speak to so many artists and you know they've been on X Factor, Britain's Got Talent and they had really bad experiences and they were made to feel sort of like cattle I suppose and shipped in and shipped out Um, but the voice when it was with the BBC anyway that was my experience is that it was brilliant and they were so just supportive when it came to me wanting to sing in Welsh as well. Um, yeah. Because they gave us a big list of songs um, to choose from for our blind right. audition, and I didn't really like any of them. There was a lot of sort of Whitney Houston, and, and don't get me wrong, I love a bit of Whitney, but it doesn't suit my kind of music. So yeah. I thought, and there was Prince, and, and they're just all big belter of songs, and I thought, this just doesn't suit me. So I asked them, I said, I've got, uh, could I do Fields of Gold? And they said, oh, you know, okay, we'll have to pass it and everything. Um, but yeah, and I said, can I do it in Welsh? <laughs> And they would, like, roll their eyes, like, oh, um, gosh, she's asking a lot of us here. Um, but they went and checked the lyrics with Sting himself, and he came back and he said yes. Oh. Um, so, But they were just so supportive. Most TV shows would just be, like, sing what's on the list, and yeah. that's it. But I'm so glad they just let me sort of be creative and, and do my own thing on the show.
0: The, the artist you mentioned on that list wouldn't necessarily apply to your style of music. Do you, do you think these... Yeah sort of shows the two kind of uniformly sticking to one genre and not giving artists from maybe acoustic yeah. or folk in alternative backgrounds, that opportunity as well. Yeah, definitely. I think they sometimes favor
1: sort of belt dressingers. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of, like you said, the Whitney Houston songs, the Mariah Carey songs, which don't get me wrong, they get a brilliant response mm. and they always have that key change moment where they could see the judges standing. Mm. And it, But for me, I, uh, my music's quite subtle um, and I love country music. And, you know, th- th- with country music, it's all about the lyrics. It's not about yeah. the big key changes and, and the high notes. You know, they just come with it. It's just about the lyrics. Um, So, yeah, so I was really glad that they let me choose off the list. Um, I probably would have murdered Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) It probably, I don't know, Whitney and Welsh,
0: maybe that would work. I don't know. Maybe you (laughs) see. Something you could go on maybe. Um, uh, And, like, what was the response like after? Because, great wrong. but did you not get to that initial audition?
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't get through that round. Um, so, basically, well, as soon as the producer said to me, you're on the last afternoon of the last day in the audition process, I already sort of set myself up for a loss, because I yeah. thought, that's 250 people, I'll be the last 12 for them to see. Right. And, you know, as the voice goes, if you fill up your spaces, if the judges fill up their spaces, then that's it. You yeah. can't sit in their group, which I think is a shame, because... You know, they hold it out for something, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then some of them fill up too soon. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't get through. But, so I went home, obviously thinking, oh, how embarrassing. Yeah. You know, everyone at home, I didn't get through. And then I thought, like, oh, I'm just, I go back to my art now, and that's music over, basically. That's what yeah. I thought. Um, and, yeah, overnight, sort of, my, it sort of blew up on Twitter, blew up online and people saying that i should have gone through which was really nice um i was really chuffed to that and um and yeah i just loads of interviews loads of and and the biggest thing was that i made tom jones cry and he's quite a tough tough cookie i think so um so people people really like that that you know i sang in welsh and people still know they 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 say oh i've followed you since the voice which was 2013 nearly nearly 10 years ago so um It's really, really nice that from something sort of I thought would be negative has turned into a total positive.
0: How important was it for you to give the Welsh language that sort of ailing to the whole of the UK and even internationally?
1: Yeah, it was just very important. I mean, both of us, isn't it, going to a Welsh language school, we're sort of, we're so used to it and we think bilingually and... I just always loved Welsh Welsh language music, I suppose, in school. (laughs) You sometimes think, oh, it's so uncool. But the older I got, the more I realised how special Mm. the language is and the more you appreciate it. Because you look around and you realise not everyone speaks it and not everyone... And when you sort of, I suppose, become an adult, a lot of people come up to you and say, I wish I could speak Welsh, I wish I kept my Welsh. And it makes you want to keep it more, definitely.
0: Especially where we live in Eastportalbath, like very few of us speak Welsh here. It's like yeah. when, when you make that connection with someone, and yeah. you realise you, but that's really special. I think
1: totally, like language, like you said, isn't it? it? Brings people together, and and it makes those connections. And you know, even singing in Welsh, you know, a lot of people if they don't speak Welsh, then they can at least sing calumma,
0: mm. or they yeah. can sing
1: sos Vach, You know, and uh, that's my biggest thing is that making it inclusive. That's why I do the translations. You know, because. It's songs that people love and adore. And then if you add a bit of Welsh, it's like they're learning a little bit of language at the same time as listening to their favourite songs. So it's, it's, it's quite important to me.
0: Um, I want to go back a little bit. Because um, you studied a foundation degree in art and design at Central Saint Martins. Yeah. Uh, what was that like?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, living in London, going from a small village like Seven Sisters, yeah. um where you know everyone, um, to a tiny flat in the middle of Hackney. It's a bit of a difference. <laughs> um, a bit more expensive as well. Um, but I loved it. And, um, I, yeah, I just I, I just could express myself. But I've got to say, my favourite sort of um, time when it came to my own art was was being in a slavera. I think when you get a good teacher that sort of allows you to be free and to express yourself, like Mr Rowlands did right. and, and Mr Mika did, I think is special and I didn't find that in St Martins I no. felt like sometimes they were a little bit I don't know and um, they had an idea of what they wanted in their head from you um and they weren't sort of happy for you to sort of just explore and, and express and it had to be with a little bit within a box which it doesn't bode well with me because I do all abstract work um <laughs> so I'm uh, you know a lot of the time they'd say that doesn't look like, you know, say if I was drawing an apple, that doesn't look like an apple and I said, Well, it's my interpretation of an apple (laughs) But you know, i that that sort of I I struggled with it. But it's just a different way of learning. And coming from Mr. Rowlands and and the the the, the amazing art room there where we were allowed to express ourselves in a Slavera, I think I was I was almost spoiled (laughs) (laughs) because that was special. You know, that that course.
0: In a (laughs) Slavera like we had all the facilities to be able to do anything we wanted artistically really and Aromica and Mr Owen had the expertise to really come yeah. of to us in anything we wanted to create really but totally. it's disappointing to hear that when you go up a level to somewhere yeah. where the expertise should be more that it wasn't mm. there actually
1: Yeah, it was a a shame. And that's the thing you said, you know, going up a level and St. Martin's is so well known for being one of the best art schools in the world. You know, I was, what was lovely is meeting the people. I I met friends that I've got for life now from Brazil, um, from Dubai, um, from Japan. They came from all over the world to study. But I just felt like, like you said, you know, we were allowed, and and it's not about um, teaching so much as it art. It's more about sort of um, giving a student the space to create what they want to create Definitely. and giving them the confidence to do that as well um, i felt like my confidence did take a dive um when i was doing the foundation course and i sort of just created what i thought they wanted which is yeah. is never right no. um, so i finally i think i've come back into my into the swing of it with my art I, i'm doing i do all the album artwork for my own albums oh, and oh. um i'm painting a lot lockdown got me painting because yeah. um, it's just, you just want to express yourself in any way you can. Uh, get the anger up on the canvas. Um, but, um, yeah, so I feel like I'm just being free again with that. And I think that's so important, isn't it? Like, you know yourself, you've just got to be, got to have that freedom Def, of expression.
0: Definitely, absolutely. It's so important. so good to hear that you've got back into it over lockdown as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... And in terms of your process, like when when you're filmmaking and when you're creating visual art, do you have certain ideas and you think, oh, that's painting, that's a drawing, or that's a song, or or does it take a bit of exploration to decide what form an idea takes? That's really interesting, actually, yeah, Um, because
1: sometimes, yeah, um, it'll be a bit of both because um, I've done some of the album after for some of my songs and they sort of both come together in that sort of one entity um, but yeah because I've been writing for the past year so most yeah. of the time it's sort of like it's turned into a song rather than a, than a drawing um, but yeah it's just it's, with songs it's sort of like my biggest inspiration is the, is, is being aware of what's going on around me so um you know even if it's just when i'm sitting on a train and i'm hearing someone's conversation and it sparks like an idea um, or just you know watching a couple from the other side of the room i sound like a stalker like, <laughs> um, but you know watching a couple from the other side of the room and think you know i wonder what their story is you know yeah. I, i'm just just thinking of stories and then obviously i'm massively inspired by my family my partner kian is a massive, you know, uh, inspiration to me. And, 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 I, and I write a lot about our relationship. Um, and I just want to make it real, you know? I want it to connect to people. Um, but, yeah, the process is just odd. People always ask, is it lyrics or music Yeah, first? I was and, ask and, you that. Well, yeah. <laughs> For me, it's lyrics. Right.
0: Because,
1: you know, I think a tune comes after. It's almost like, I think I watched the Elton John film, and... And uh, Bernie was the writer and, and Elton yeah. was the, 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 the music. And and he'd have to have the lyrics first and then work the music around it. And that's very similar to what I do, you know. You see rhythms in, in the words. Um, and you obviously, the more poignant part of the lyrics, you might think of a chord that would suit that. Um, so, yeah, lyrics first. And obviously, being a country um, lover, um, lyrics are just key to everything,
0: Yeah. Who who were you inspired by when you're writing to you who who do you take influence from?
1: Um, well before lockdown, me and my mother were lucky enough to go and see the Carol King musical, Beautiful. Oh, and um, oh it was special, it really hit me and, and the way that she sort of wrote for others pretty much all her life, but was so talented herself.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so I take massive inspiration from Carol King because she just sit at a piano and she didn't have to do all you know, the dance moves and, and didn't have to sort of like change her style into like being super cheesy pop, it could just be what she believed in yeah. Um and she's just so natural, I just think she's brilliant Um obviously Dolly Parton obsessed with Dolly Parton yeah. and uh, whenever I do things I always say that there's two main women in my life, my mother and Dolly Parton
0: Do you know <laughs> do you know what I found amazing about Dolly Parton is that she wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You in the same yeah. day, on the same day.
1: Yeah. How much of a good day was that? I wonder how much coffee
0: she had. I <laughs> would like a writing day like that. I'm I know.
1: But that's the beauty of music, isn't it? You could have. She probably had six months' drunk where she did nothing. Yeah. And then in one day, two the two best-selling songs of hers came to her. Um and it's just that that's, it's it's the
0: frustration of art, isn't it? But yeah. it's also the beauty of art, isn't it? It's why that's we. it just all coming one day. It's <laughs> we do it. I think it's for those really special moments that are really rare. But when they happen, it's the best thing. You probably feel the same. But those little yeah. moments are really special. Yeah,
1: totally. And I always say, like, if you're working on a song for like three, four months. It's probably not going to be your best song. If a song comes in about 20 minutes and it just rolls off the tongue and it's just pouring out of you, I think that that's your hit, like, you know? Um, And for me, TRV is the one that sort of everyone sort of, you know, uh, it's just my most played on Spotify, my most played on YouTube, all that kind of thing. And TRV, I wrote in about fifteen minutes. It just, you know, just, you know, it just came out. And I remember playing it in the kitchen to my mother, and my mother turned around and cried. And I thought, "Ooh, I'll keep this <laughs> 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 because if my mother cries, it's 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 a good sign. It's a good quality check."
0: <laughs> Have you got certain people that you will share early versions of stuff with, and people who can give you really early feedback? Or do you wait until it's at a later stage of developing
1: it? Yeah, that's interesting. I've never been asked that actually. But yeah, I'm really protective, and it took a while actually for me to actually take criticism. Um, I think a lot of creatives are the same. We're so, it, what we create isn't just a product. It's us, isn't it? It's, yeah. We take. We can't help but take it to heart because it's 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 us. It's what it's what we are. Um, so, um, at the start, you know, I would ask for advice from my parents or my partner, and if they said, oh, maybe you could tweak this, tweak that, I used to get them to protect <laughs> almost like it was my child. I would be like, no, it's perfect yeah. the way it is, but I've got better, I've tried to get better at taking criticism and taking feedback, um, and it's never really criticism, it's always like, you know, this could just make it even better than what it yeah. is, um, uh, so I, I am
0: getting better at sort of taking feedback and
1: I do trust my family because I know a lot of people out there, God, you see them you know, on X Factor, you see them on the TV and their parents think that, you know, th- th- that they are the world, they are an angel and they can't do no wrong. Whereas my parents thing. are very straight with me. Right. And if something isn't right, they'll tell me, which I'm so glad about, you know, because I can really trust what they say. And I may not always like it, but they're very, very honest with me. Um, and my partner's the same. Um, so if they say brilliant, then I know it's good. Um, so yeah, it's usually my parents and my partner and my sister that yeah. I um, I share my music
0: with, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Pride next, which was oh. um, the Golden Globe nominated film um, that you appeared in in 2014. What was that, yeah. what was that experience like?
1: Amazing. I, it's weird, I haven't really had bad experiences. <laughs> you know, when people good. say working on films, working in talent shows, it's usually quite bad experiences, but I, oh, it was amazing. Uh-huh. I remember sitting at home and I was in my pyjamas um, in Seven Sisters. I, I'd finished art school, I'd done the voice, and there was just this lull. So, straight after the voice, there were just loads of people asking for interviews, and then um, and loads of people, you know, wanting a piece of you, yeah. and then it just, they always say it, doesn't it? It's the 15 minutes of fame, and then it kind of dips. Yeah. And I was sitting around, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? You know, I, I, I put on some gigs, I might bring an album out, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then um, I just had a phone call on the landline of all places. I think I must have had a landline on my LinkedIn page somewhere from God knows when. And, uh, yeah, I had a phone call. And it was just a, you know, a producer from Pride. Yeah. Hi, we're just doing an indie film about the Dow Lice Valley. That's how they said it. But obviously, they were just trying to pronounce Delice. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Dow Lice is another place, isn't
0: yeah. it? <laughs>
1: so I was like, oh, you know, I'm not far, like Merthyr, great. And they said, yeah, you know, it's all about the minor strike and we're looking for a singer. So I thought, oh, this would be cool. And I honestly thought it would be a tiny thing. Um. And they, they played it down. They didn't tell me who was in it or who'd been, you know, confirmed. Right. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be, you know, a small indie film. And then they said, We got a read through in London. And I thought, Right. And then I turned up at the read through, and you've just got Bill Nye, Amelda Stoughton, Andrew Scott, all just sitting around the table. <laughs> and I walk in in like my my scruffy clothes, uh, guitar on my back, and thinking, Oh my gosh, I feel like a fish out of water here. Yeah. And you know, I've been used to meeting musicians, but meeting actors is just a, such a different industry to mine. Yeah. I just felt. I have a thing called uh, imposter syndrome sometimes where I feel
0: like I'm yeah, not
1: good same, enough to be in the room. <laughs> do you have that yeah,
0: sometimes? sometimes. Do especially you? when it's someone that you've admired and you look up Yeah. To. But it's like, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, it's just, you've just got to tell yourself that it's just your mind telling you that. And no one in the room has told you that. No one in the room actually believes that. And it's almost like a fake it till you make it, really, isn't yeah. it? It's just trying to come across as confident. And then you almost, like, trick your brain into, into being that confident. Because people meet me, they're like, oh, Bron, she's so loud and confident. But, you know, I'm physically shaking before, you know, radio interviews and, mm. and, and, and going on stage. But it's just, you know, getting yourself in that mindset of I'm, I'm good enough and I deserve yeah. to be here. But, yeah, turning up to that day. Unbelievable. And they're just having a cup of tea, you know, next to Bill Naive. <gasps> but the read-through went really well. And I realised, OK, this is going to be a bigger film than I expected. Right. And then I met the directors, the, the people from Pathy and, yeah, just loads of different people. And I just thought, OK, this is going to be big. And then it did. And, and it's done so well. And there's a few whispers at the moment that it might be turned into a musical, Um, wow. which I am praying for because I just think it would just, like Billy Elliot was, I just think it'll be... A huge hit. Well, and, um, if
0: they haven't got a composer attached yet, yeah, <laughs> there's a joke. There's I'm a job going TV. there. There's a joke going <laughs> there. Uh, Definitely.
1: Hey, don't worry. I've already sent I sent all the emails out, and I said, you know, i be there with my bread and roses in hand, and uh, nice, lovely. I'm still in touch with the director and the writer and all the cast. And uh, some of them came to my album launch in 2016, and uh, it's just lovely, they're just lovely people. And um, I couldn't have asked for a better first experience, really, in, in the acting world. So,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you tempted to do more acting off the back of that?
1: That's... Oh, to be honest, I'm not a great actress, right? <laughs> and I know I know where my talents lie. I know I can act while singing, because I'm almost, I, I'm deep, in the, I'm deep yeah. in the song. But when it comes to acting lines, I, me and, my, me and my partner, during lockdown, we did a lot of weekly quizzes with our friends. Yeah. And we'd create these... We, for every quiz, we had to create a little video um, to show everyone. And it had a different theme every week. Yeah. So we'd do, like, basically a scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, could you... I kept looking at the camera. Uh-huh. I, I forgot my lines. Um, and it's weird. It's, it, I'm a complete fish out of water. I don't know how you do it. Um, I'm a complete fish out of water when it comes to acting. Yeah. Um, so I could definitely... I think I could sing... In a film again and i'd love to give acting a go i just think i just haven't yeah. had the right training maybe and i think it's a confidence thing massively i think um, it's a
0: confidence thing Like, yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: i'd love to give it a go though it's it's such an amazing world isn't it and
0: uh yeah, yeah fantastic and you know this us be- moving on slightly this period of lockdown the last 18 months has been really difficult for musicians. Uh, yeah. You've been doing virtual gigs online and you've gained a following on TikTok. What's it been like as a musician when venues have been closed? And has it been difficult to, to keep going sometimes?
1: Yeah, I think mentally to keep going. obviously financially comes into it too, but I think mm. mentally, I think people have really struggled to like see the light at the end, you know? it just, it felt like there was no end in sight. I think the first week of lockdown was the most terrifying, or maybe the first month, because at that point, um, all the venues were closing, and obviously being self-employed, um, all my you know concert bookings, all of my workshop bookings were just cancelling one after another. Yeah. I think in one day, I had fifteen thousand pounds worth of work cancelled um, for you know the next few months. You know, and I just thought. What am I going to do? <laughs> and at that point, the government hadn't said anything about, you know, giving help. Um, you know, luckily, sort of self-employed schemes came later in the yeah. year, but that was just panicking. And I was just thinking, I can't just sit in the house because I was used to doing five gigs a week, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought, I said, I one financially terrified, and then two, what am I going to do just sitting in the house? And um, having all this time to myself, you know, I I got my self-esteem and confidence and adrenaline and endorphins from performing. And I think that's what a lot of people have struggled with. I think after a gig, you've got that high of a new Or after a show or a a play, you've got that high. And you just want to go out and talk to people and speak to people. And and, and you can't even sleep that night because you're just so full of endorphins. And I think losing that many gigs, so say five gigs a week... um, you know those endorphins they need to be replaced by something and at that time it was just bad news after bad news you know you watch yeah. just watching the covid numbers rising and, and being afraid for your family afraid for your elderly relatives you know um it was just such a worrying time but i know i had it better than others and i think you've just got to keep that in mind i suppose don't you um i haven't yeah. luckily i never i haven't lost anyone to covid and that's the biggest thing health is yeah. everything you Absolutely. know i wouldn't say just you know open everything up early, um, you know, and, and, and stuff people's health. It's, it's, it's not a case of that. But yeah, it was, it was amazing that people bothered to watch my virtual gigs, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that many. I, I started it off as something just to entertain family yeah. and friends, because I knew a few of them said, you know, first week on Braun, can you do a gig just to lift our spirits a bit? We're so bored of the same TV. we yeah. um, have <laughs> run out of Netflix <laughs> things to watch. Um, so I said, yeah, okay, and I did the first one, and, you know, to have 100,000 views on the first wow. virtual gig, I, I never even did, I did it through my phone, phone. as wow. well, yeah, and I just did it through my phone, never tried Facebook Live before, didn't know how to do it, I just thought, I'll set up my kit, and then just press record, and then yeah. hope for the best, and it worked out, and people donated so kindly to me, um, which basically funded my next album, and um, you know, just helped me survive basically those first few months with knowing them. Um, and yeah, people were just so kind, and I feel like I know them all now. It's so yeah, oh, like I'll see them out in a pub, or you know, they're on my Instagram, and they talk to me like we are family, and I love that. I love that.
0: But but it wasn't just people from Wales, was it? You and people from did you say Australia and America as well tuning in to watch you? Was- yeah.
1: I had, a, I had a man that lived in Shanghai that
0: wow. was originally
1: from South Wales, and uh, he was stuck out there, couldn't get home, and uh, he was watching every week, and he said, you should hear all, all my neighbours in Shanghai, could can hear you blasting through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I met a lovely friend called Joan from Florida, and she's American, she's got no connections to Wales, but she just found my live stream and watched it, and watched it every week, and I'm going up to visit her next year in Florida. Oh, Fantastic. Um, It's just amazing, you know? And and people that haven't even got connections to Welsh music or Wales, I think it just... I I think a lot of musicians maybe were not afraid, but just didn't want to do a live stream. And and, and there's so many risks, isn't it, with Wi-Fi connection, uh, kit, sound. It's all so important, but... I just kind of just threw that out the window, and I thought, it doesn't matter if it, if, if, if it closes off. It doesn't matter if the Wi-Fi drops. You know, people are just home and yeah. bored and lonely. And um, I think that's what hopefully people liked, is that it was very just, uh, it's my front room. Yeah. And this is the front room. You can still see all the drawings yes. that people sent me oh, um, all over the wall. Look, oh, my flags are still there. No. I, I can't I can't take it down. I don't want to let me take it down. Um, it means too much to me. So, it's, um, yeah. You know, Considering it was a pandemic, um, I look back at it, you know, the, the virtual gigs fondly.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And, and in terms of writing during lockdown, were you able to write or did you struggle with motivation? You've written an album, so I'm guessing
1: Yeah. you were
0: <laughs> able to do a lot of writing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, in the first week of lockdown, I wrote Arduet Dith, which was my Welsh single from my album. And that's all about, you know, Dimon Cariad yeah. Seed, we Dith, Only Love Prevails at the End of the Day. And that was all about, I think I just had to put something on paper. It's like a diary entry, isn't it? You just mm. need to express how you're feeling, especially if you're, you're in the arts. And, um, and yeah, pretty much eight songs, out of 11 on the album, were written during the pandemic. Um And you know what, I've spoken to a lot of creatives and they did say, you know, when you're gigging five times a week, it's really rare you find time then to write Um, because obviously you're out and you're travelling and you're loading kit and performing and yeah. Um, So it was actually nice to have that time aside where I I almost had to force myself into sitting down and and putting pen to paper and um, some really good stuff came from it. And just yeah, and just being inspired by people's stories, and I think we spent a lot of time on social media, didn't we, and connecting with people. And uh, yeah, I was really inspired by some of the stuff I saw. So um,
0: yeah, (laughs) really really good. I'm really looking forward to listening to the album. But before we talk about that, um, through your TikTok, you performed Welsh language covers of famous pop songs. I was wondering what were your thoughts on the current state of Welsh language music and what can be done to increase the visibility of it, maybe outside of Wales? Yeah, um, well,
1: yeah, well, for me, Welsh language music, I've always been inspired by it, you know, from the likes of David O'Brien to Karen Parry yeah. Jones and Gwyneth Glynn um i've always loved it but obviously there's it's 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 been quite a niche market for quite a while and i think what we're realizing now is we have to think of different ways to sort of get the language out there that is interesting to not only people my age people in their 40s in their 60s or whatever teenagers as well because they are the ones that are gonna i think take the language into the future you know they are the ones that are gonna continue to speak it as adults and they are the ones that are hopefully going to send their children to uh, Welsh primary schools and Welsh comps. Yeah. And um, and I just think, you know, when you make it uncool at a school level, they'll just take. There's so many friends I've got now that, you know, I had to continue to speak Welsh because of my job, and I'm so glad I did. Um, a lot of friends, you know, that are my age, they only finished school, you know, nine, ten years ago, and they've lost their Welsh completely um, yes. because they felt in school that maybe it was made to be a bit regimented or a bit too formal and it was almost made to be a rule and you know what teenagers are like you give them a rule and and they'll try and rebel and um, i i didn't know yeah. about
0: you but i didn't really appreciate it until about two or three years after leaving school when i was in uni it, like when i left it didn't seem like a big thing but a couple of years later you realize oh i'm not yeah. using it as much
1: no, totally, and, and you notice how quickly it fades as well. Yes. You notice know, so quickly it sort of becomes difficult. And you really got to think of of conversation, and um, and you do appreciate it. You know, say like you said, isn't it connecting with people walking into a pub here in Welsh and being able to answer someone at the Tesco till even, you know, right. uh, in Welsh, knowing that they speak Welsh, it's great. Um, but for me, the TikTok was a way of connecting to a younger audience. Yes, um, because to be fair. My older audience all love Welsh music anyway. (laughs) Um, A lot of them are Welsh speakers. um, But I knew teenagers and and sort of even people my age were the hardest to get on board when it came to the Welsh language um, because there's so many cool English artists out there um, to choose from. Um, And you've just got to make it, you know, shiny and exciting and fresh. And uh, and I hate it. I hate it when people say the language is dying, you know, that it grinds my ears, because it's not, it's it's thriving, it's being spoken, um, and, um, you know, when people say, oh, what's the point in learning a dying language, you know, I just, I, 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 it's, I it's, <laughs> oh. it grinds my gears, yeah. you know, because it's not, um, and, and I think we should be so proud that we've got such an ancient, beautiful language that just sounds so Absolutely.
0: Good with Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you've got artists coming through, like, yourself, like, mm-hmm. Gwilym, people like Al Lewis, really yeah. exciting music in the Welsh yeah. language, which is so important for getting those young people on board, I think. And things like Caboil as well, yeah. really highlighting the quality. Festivals, yeah, yeah. Making, it,
1: making it modern and making it, so it doesn't have to be, you know, a night at the prom's your Edford, it can be... You know, you go and see it with your mates in your wellies, you know, but, or go and see a, rock, a Welsh rock band in the tramshed, you know, and and Definitely. and that that that's you know making it cool. Um, and to be fair, I've got a, I've got a Welsh playlist on Spotify just called Cambrai, and it's just full of Welsh artists. Williams on there, Al Lewis is on there, Owsleyne is on there, and uh, there's just so much out yeah. there. And and I feel like it just needs to be highlighted and pushed into the yeah, pushed into the forefront. And I,
0: kind of on the same way that you run workshops in schools and colleges and unis what are the challenges of kind of engaging with young people during those workshops what, what kind of workshops do you run first of all
1: um so i run songwriting workshops um so we write either songs from scratch or we create our own translations of famous pop songs like okay. I do on tiktok Yes. Um. And then I also finish with a big gig then at the end of the day because you mentioned the word gig and they think it's really cool, you know. So, <laughs> um, But the biggest thing for me, I'm not a teacher. So if I walk in and I try to be like a teacher and I try to sort of talk down to them, it's just not going to work. No. So I act like a friend from word go, um, and I just level with them. I, you know, I, I know how, how I wanted to be spoken to as a teenager um, and you just got to keep that in mind and maybe you know some people forget that don't they you know Mm -hmm. how would you have reacted if if someone you know told you to be quiet or or told you to sit down or you know or just spoke to you you know like you're a child when they're a teenager so um biggest thing for me is just meeting them halfway when it comes to their music taste um if they like heavy rock brilliant let's let's write a heavy rock tune you know if they like rap let's write the rap let's go for it you know, not giving them any limitations because um, that's the whole point of music—it's yeah. just expressing yourself. Um, and I've had brilliant, um, just been a brilliant response. I've worked with you know um, so many children that are, you know are also on the spectrum, yeah. um, autistic children, and they get so much out of it. it it's, it's incredible how 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 easily they, they express themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's just lovely to see, and and what's great as well, you know, like a lot of teachers will come up to me and say, I never would have thought that person would have got up on the mic. Uh, in class, they're very quiet. But then, and then also she she said, the loudest one in the class that's normally, you know, the jester, (laughs) has been really quiet today. So it's funny, you see people and children come into their own when it comes to music, um, or not, and and hopefully get, you know, get, to see their vocation.
0: I want people yes. to see what I do and go, I want to do that. Because, That's important. Because it's never kind of highlighted as something you can go into when you're in school. You know, there's very much a push no. towards academia and towards, you've got to go to uni to be successful. Um, no, I, know. I, I mean, we both went to uni, but like, this should be more oh. of a thing of, you know, there are other paths there are other routes that you can go down to be totally so. yeah
1: it's just it's just a I think there's a natural sort of disrespect sometimes when it comes to the arts yes. I, I actually was on Radio Wales talking about it this morning and oh. I was having a little you know um, debate with a lady on there that said that we should put things like science, maths and everything and music is the least important go and on I said,
0: well, who, who are you debating with?
1: Um, a, a member of the public, so okay. <laughs> I don't know what the credentials were, um, but I was having a little debate. I tried to keep my cool, as, as usual. I'm quite a fiery uh, broad. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I basically said, you know, over the last year in the pandemic, whenever we felt alone, lonely, sad, happy, we've turned to music. Yeah. Music is something. What's the world without music? What's the world without the arts? Yeah. You know? People can't wait to get back in the theatres. People can't wait to go and see live music again.
0: You
1: know, and and I respect people that go into science. I respect people that go into maths. I respect everyone. That's just how I've been brought up. But the fact that sometimes music or the arts are seen as not a proper job, that frustrates me. Because, you know, you can make a huge career out of it. And you can change people's perceptions of things you can um just be a comfort to people um and you know my music is played on people's wedding days my music is played in people's funerals it's like to have that effect on people is is something i think is, is it's like a it is a contribution of sorts and um and okay I, i'm not a surgeon
0: <laughs> but like when people get home from work they will listen to music on the radio they'll sit down and watch something on netflix they will pick up a book and have a read. All that work will have been done by artists. They wouldn't be able to enjoy anything without the contribution of so many people in the arts. People don't realise that.
1: Totally. I think I saw, it it was in a paper during the pandemic, there was a graphic made and it said most essential jobs and least essential jobs. And the most essential obviously was um, Surgeons, uh, scientists, everything, yeah. and then least essential jobs, artist was number one. But the graphic was created by an artist. So, when you think <laughs> of that, you know, <laughs> the, the graphic and, and yeah. the illustration was created. Could you imagine how that artist felt creating that graphic? Yeah. And I just think. People forget that you know posters, billboards, yeah. everything that's on TV, everything in your downtime, everything that you look at or take in is done by an artist. Yeah, in, in any capacity. Um, so I, you know, I want to show children, and, and I actually kind of want to show some teachers that can be a little biased. Is that art is is a genuine
0: Definitely. way of work,
1: and it's and it's so rewarding. And I don't have to work nine to five every day. I can can choose the kind of work that I do. I have a really good life and and I want to show children
0: that. And we get to work with a diverse range of people. I do something different every day and I love that. I love that. Totally. Um, I say that.
1: Every day is different and who can say that, isn't it? And it's your dream job too and it's always mm. different. And um, you get to travel the world, and it's just brilliant, you know? So I think more more children need to have that option mm. of going into it.
0: Let's talk about the album, then. Uh, when's it being released, and what can people expect?
1: So it's being released at the very end of this month. Um, the copies are currently being made. I'm so excited. Um, I okay <laughs> I had a little um, first draft come through in the post, and I looked at it, and I just cried um because i'm so happy with it um so yeah and what to expect it's called canvas um and i wrote it. me and my sister were sitting down one day and um i said oh i don't know what to call the album because none of the title tracks just fit they don't sort of right. encapsulate the album and uh, she said well how would you describe it and i said well you know when i write a song it's like me putting paint on a canvas and then we both looked at each other and went <laughs> canvas,
0: canvas.
1: So so that's what we decided to call it. And inside, um, I've made sure it's a piece of art. Um, so inside, I've um, paid uh, 10 Welsh artists to create a piece of artwork oh, for each it. song. Um, and their, the lyrics to the song and their artwork is the other side. And I want people to you know, sit at home and listen to it and look through the lyrics, and look at the artwork, mm. and see how these artists were inspired by my work. And it was really important for me as well to give back, because I was I had so many donations during the pandemic, to give back to um, local artists and Welsh artists, you know, because they've had a hard time too. Um, so yeah, hopefully people like it. It's just, I've written every song myself. There's no co rights, everything is just me. Um, it was produced by... So every every instrument on the album was just me and my producer, um, because of COVID, really. <laughs> yeah. But we managed to create a band between us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just hope people think like think of the songs um, as part of their lives as well as it is mine. So.
0: Is there a connection between the songs? Is there a through narrative or? Is there anything like that?
1: It's 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 it, there's no sort of story like from start to yeah. end, um, but yeah, they all sort of carry a country theme um, because I've just been listening to so much country music during <laughs> lockdown. It's it's so just uplifting and sweet, but then heartbreaking, and I just love it. Um, so yeah, there's a similarity, obviously, in the way um, in the instrumentation of the album, um, but every song is different about different things. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's one track, there's just me and piano and it's live, it's a live cut. Um, and I wanted to just, just try different things. Um, because what have I got to lose really, you know, just, <laughs> I'll sell at least, you know, 10 to family. Um, <laughs> anything above that, I'm happy.
0: <laughs> well, all the best we I'm really looking forward to listening oh, thank you. to it.
1: Um, Thank you. You'll have a copy in
0: the post, don't worry, I'll sign you a copy. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple more questions before we go. Um I wanted to ask about so you've toured twice supporting the legend that is Max voice Yeah.
1: <laughs> How
0: is that? Oh brilliant. So
1: much fun. So much fun. And I just I, I was just doing a gig in Glinny Rugby club right. of all places. Um, I was doing a festival there to raise money and uh, I knew Max Boyce was there. I could see him sitting there and I thought, oh, Bron, do your best performance yeah. now. So I got, you know, I, I really did a lot of crowd participation. I told my best jokes <laughs> um, and I just hope for the best. And he came up at the end and said, Bron, would you, he said, oh, great tonight. Would you like to come on tour with me in January? I <laughs> you know I thought at the very least he would just, you know, pat on the back and well done. Yeah. But I said, yes, I'm going to clear my diary. I don't care what I've got. I'm coming. Yeah. Um, so we've been on three tours together. Um, there's another one starting early next year. It was meant to be this this uh, in October, but um, we have to move it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Max is just he gives great feedback. He's he's really honest, but he is just I call him like my surrogate granddad. He doesn't mm. like being called a granddad, mind. <laughs> <laughs> but he said I'm more like a father. Um, but he's brilliant, and we had such a laugh, and uh, we did a Swansea Grand date, right. and packed it out, and people, you know, on their on their, on their feet, you know, at the end, and uh, we both walked out, and then we went for a bit of curry. Oh, <laughs> afterwards. Went to the local curry house, and we had a lot of rosé, and a lot of laughs, and a lot of yeah, just fun and singing. Then we were in the we were in the curry house until three in the morning. <laughs> That's how good it was! <laughs> <laughs> they all off for us. so me, my voice, and all the band, and it was just so special. And uh, he's just, uh, he's just so down to earth, you know. Yeah. He's just uh, exactly as 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 uh, as he was when he first had his hit. Um, so he's a lovely guy, and I can't, I can't wait to see him again. We haven't we haven't seen each other since the start of the pandemic, um, so miss him, yeah.
0: Well, I hope the tour goes well. Next. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank um, you. Final question before I let you go off into the world. What <laughs> What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in the industry?
1: Right, that's a it is a difficult one. Um, but the biggest thing for me is to stay true to yourself. Don't listen to the outside voices unless you truly trust them. Um, because the many times I was told to be less Welsh, I was told to, you know. Um, or make more pop, make more dance music because country will never sell. Um, you know, I was told to lose weight. I was told to change the way I dress. I was told to grow my hair long. So, you, if I kept listening to those outside voices, I wouldn't be me now. I'd be some weird byproduct person um, of all these strange, you know, pieces of advice. Um, so, stay true to who you are. Keep yourself grounded with family and friends mm-hmm. and people who truly know you. Um, and yeah just treat everyone my father always said this, treat everyone on the way up kindly because otherwise they'll kick you on the way down and always treat everyone even if it's the CEO of the company or the person on reception or you know the the doorman treat them all exactly the same and with respect and you will always be liked Um, so yeah they're my pieces of advice
0: (laughs) Thank you Ron, it's been lovely like catching up and Oh, it's yes, been lovely. I you've love
1: asked such
0: lovely questions. It's you. been, you've asked questions I've never been asked before, so Aww, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's about it for this episode of Inlocked but hopefully on the next episode or the episode after, it's not confirmed yet, but I will hopefully very excitingly, be talking to Michael Sheen. But I'll confirm that as soon as I know. Oh wow. I know. I can't wait. Fantastic. Oh, I can't, wait. Oh, I
1: can't uh, wait to see that. How brilliant.
0: I'm really excited about it. But um Oh fantastic. Oh well I'd be well, I'll be tuning in for that one yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but um for now it's Bye from Me and Bye bye from Bash. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.